think everybody knows who I am, but in case you don't, my name is Bob Smith. I'm one of the elders here at the church. Um, and uh, just in honor of our pastor, Trey, who he and his family are on a much-deserved vacation with their extended family, super excited for them, and uh, praying for them they'd be refreshed and uh, blessed. Uh, but in honor of him, I want to offer you a Dallas Willard quote, um, because he loves Dallas Willard and talks about him all of the time. But this came up, uh, my wife and I have been studying this book uh, from Dallas Willard, and, and uh, you know, we've been Christians a long time, and he just says some things that are really, really, uh, I don't know, inspirational and a little bit different than, than the way that I've heard them, just because of kind of the stream that I came out of. But he said, you cannot do justice to the teachings of Scripture of scripture unless you understand that if you do not rise and go after God's blessing God will rarely give it to you and then it goes on to say occasionally he does but you've got to go after God's blessings in by faith to receive them and cause them to manifest in your life as as the Lord uh, blesses your efforts which is different, and this is a point that he's making, it's different than salvation by works. There is an effort that is required on our part, but it's not an earning where, like, you do so many things, you get so many notches in your belt, then God is, you know, mandated to provide those blessings. It's, it's not that. But anyway, uh, a scripture that I wanted to say, as we were talking here, my, my title of message is All, All You Need Is Love. Uh, the source is not from John Lennon but from the Bible, but it, in uh, Romans chapter 2, it says that it's the goodness of God that causes people to change, not the fear of him, not the truth, all those kinds of things, but it's the goodness of God that causes people to change, and that's not just once and for all, that's always, and I, that's, a, that's something for us as spouses, as us as parents and grandparents it's it's a it's a model to follow after as we can demonstrate goodness to our children to our friends to our spouses and so forth that's what's going to lead them to change delivered with some truth of course but it's the goodness of god that causes people to change and that's why i want to talk about love you know it's a nice subject to talk about love. I could talk about sin, and I could talk about hell, and I could talk about all those kinds of things, but I think it would always be a, something somehow related to love. I was thinking about that this morning. Um, I'm just, I'm kind of, anyway, uh, I was thinking about that this morning, that hell would be, just hell in itself would be separa being separated from God for all eternity. That's, that's bad enough in itself. Because God, where God is, there is light, there is joy, there is peace, there is all the fruit of the Spirit. Without that is hell. Just that, just that in itself. And that's what, that's what, uh, that is enough. Anyway, let's get to, I'm just kind of circling the airport here now, I'm just getting into it. So I, I talked about this about six weeks ago, uh, April 30th, and that's, was part one, um, but we kind of ended up, with, and in that I talked about uh, 
1 Corinthians 13, where it says love is patient, love is kind, love is uh, never getting or uh, being slow to be offended, and on and on and on, all these wonderful things that are spoken at many weddings and so forth, but uh, really awesome goal to live for. But I ended with this uh, next slide, or the start of it anyway, that human effort to love is destined to fail. It is really, really impossible to be living love out of your own effort the way that love is talked about in 1 Corinthians. And it's because of these things here. First of all, we have this sin nature who is who who we are, you know, in this earth, and we continue to drag around this body. And this body, you know, it's, it's like it wants to have more of the stuff that we're not supposed to have. It wants to have less of the stuff that we, that is good for us, all those kinds of things. It wants to be selfish, lazy, all those kinds of things. And there's... Uh, th we do have an enemy, the Bible tells us, and it is Satan. He hates God. He wanted to, you know, replace God. He wanted to be at least equal with God, and he lost that right, or not that right, but that opportunity by being sent out of the presence of God into, into, uh, off of, out of heaven. And, um, and so Satan strikes back at the only thing that he can strike back at because he has, he has no power against God, so he comes at his people, and what he does more than anything is is keep people from God, distract them, keep them busy, and so forth, you know, and this is so easy to do even for all of us, you know, because we got our faces in our phones, we got our faces in, you know, all so many different things. We're just constantly distracted and pulled away, and it's it's really hard to be separated from the people that we love. You know, like we have a, a little granddaughter, and she's, uh, she's an hour, she's just an hour and five minutes away, but, but still only get to see her like every couple of weeks. I'm thankful that I get to see many of my grandchildren here at church every week, and that's wonderful, but to be separate from people that we love is really, really difficult. It is the same with God. He does not like to be separated from his people. He created us to be connected with him. He loves us and wants to have fellowship with us just like we do with other people. And then we, and we see them and they're, they're far away. So the devil is constantly trying to keep people separated from God because that strikes at the heart of God, which is what Satan wants to do is battle against him. And so we know all these things that the devil preys upon in that, in that last uh, little paragraph there. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, what we desire to do, the lust of the eyes, you know, all the stuff that we want, we want, we want, you know, we want to keep up with the Kardashians, all that kind of garbage. And then the boastful pride of life, which is worrying about who we are. Do people think we're cool? Do people think we're funny? Do people think we're awesome? You know, all those kinds of things. And, uh, and the things that we have accomplished and all those, all that stuff, that's the pride of life. And, and so we have to battle against that. I'm not sure what that, I e oh, never mind. Uh, I think, like I said here, I think everyone uh, but sociopaths and extreme narcissists, very familiar with the behaviors of these things. You know, we, we, we know about those. We know what it is to be selfish and lazy and full of, full of things that we shouldn't be full of and all of that. Those are the things that get in the way of our ability to love. 
those are the things that, that get in the way of us, what's in our heart to do, to care about people, to love people, to build people, to not be easily offended, to be patient, all those kinds of things. Those are the things that get in the way of causing that to happen, uh, of us being able to love. So let's go to the next slide. So it is true that all we need is love, but, sorry, I got, you know, I printed off my notes and wrote on things, but you know how when you print, I'm telling you way more than you need to know. But anyway, it printed off, one side is reverse, and so I'm flipping my notes around. It didn't do a very good job, so I apologize for that. Um, anyway, all you need is love because God is love. And God, when, when we uh, connect with God he, and really commune with him, we receive an infusion of power by the Holy Spirit that enables us to love as 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that we love. It will take us beyond the, the, uh, the limitations of the sin nature that we have and be able to love in a way that we couldn't do on our own, okay? And it is that spending time with God that makes the difference. It is that source, it's, it's plugging directly into the power source, which is God and who is love. From 1 John 4, 8, we know that. So, um, and that kind of goes back to what I was talking about, that the distraction that the devil is continually wanting to keep us from the Lord, it, it keeps us from being able to plug into the source of love, which is God. So, we're going to do a little bit of that. I'm going to spend a little bit of time actually doing some time connecting with God here in our service today. Um, so anyway, the, the next verse there, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That kind of goes back to that quote from Dallas Willard. That's the effort. You have to draw near to God in order for him to draw near to you. Now, the beautiful thing is God is always nudging. He is all, you know, Philippians tells us, he's all the while effectually at work in us. He is nudging us closer and closer to him continually, okay? But yet, we have to draw near to God. We have to be making the effort. We have to be willing to, to do that. And then uh, Romans chapter 5, I love this truth, that the love of God has been poured out within our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Okay, the same love that motivated Jesus to go to the cross and die for our sins, that lives within us. That's the power, that's the potency that lives within us, okay? We need to remind ourselves when we have those really selfish moments that the same spirit that lived in Christ lives in us. The same love that lived in Christ and caused him to say, you know, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You know, that same level of love lives within us. That power is available to us. That is amazing. And yet, a little bit of selfishness here, a little bit of laziness here, a little bit of, you know, stuff here. I got mad at my wife last night because rather than plug on, we have a white noise thing in our, our bedroom. Rather than pushing the button to shut it off, she unplugs it and puts it over there. So I am so bothered because 
I have to go pick up the plug and walk six feet and plug it into the plug, to the plug-in, right? And I have the same love that caused Christ to go to the cross <laughs> for all of mankind. That same love is in me. And oops, I slipped away from it for a moment <laughs> last night. Now, fortunately, we were we didn't get into a heated discussion. We just got a little bit annoyed with each other for a moment. <laughs> True, honest, just a little bit, just a little bit. No raised voices or anything. And, and we kissed right after that and went to sleep. <laughs> but that's how quickly it slips in, you know, just, just that humanness, just that sin nature and so forth, you know. And so it is really learning to be mindful of the, of the presence of God in our lives the power of his love that lives within us, and as we can battle the distractions and the cares of this world, we can operate by the power of that love. Let's go to the next slide. All right, so regular access to the Lord. Now, the beauty of, the, the, the beauty of these scriptures here is that they parallel the, all the training that I got as, a, not all of the training, but the the general theme of training that I got as a psychologist. So even the world is catching up to the truths of the, of the scripture as it relates to things in psychology. Okay, so like the first one here, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving in his heart and, and enter his courts with praise and give thanks to him and bless his name. One of the things that psychologists and counselors are taught all the time is to help people to, to uh, have a, a gratitude journal Think about the things that they are grateful for. Think about things that they are thankful for and so forth. Well, it begins here with Scripture. We're telling us, God is telling us, and, and there's many, many other Scriptures that talk about, you know, um, living a life of thanksgiving and what that does for you. But that is how we enter into the presence of God is with thanksgiving. It's not someday, it's not just the temple in Jerusalem that they were entering into to experience his presence. And nor is it just when we go into heaven that we will enter into his presence and, and enter his, his, his where he is. But now, even in our lives on a daily basis, hour by hour basis, we can enter into the presence of God when we will focus on thanksgiving and being grateful for it. And it's pretty simple to, to see, you know. It's like when you're anxious, you're worried about something that's going to happen in the future. You're predicting something bad is going to happen. And when you feel depressed or sad, it's usually related to something about your past that you feel guilty about or you're, or you're mad about or you're sad about or so forth. And, and if you will focus rather on the things that you are grateful for, the, the, the things that you do like the way that they are, you get away from the depression, you get away from the anxiety, and you settle in the present going, you know what? Things aren't so bad. Being thankful is the opposite of complaining. Complaining is just like, it's, it's not the way, something is not the way that I would want it to be. Like that, White noisemaker is not plugged in. <sighs> That's complaining. It's just complaining. And being thankful um, that I have a wife that I get to sleep, <laughs> you know, next to in bed. You know, <laughs> here I am complaining about it, not being plugged. Anyway, so enough of that. I made my point about that. All right. And check it out what happens. In God's presence, which you can get into through Thanksgiving, is fullness of joy. 
Joy goes beyond the circumstances. Happiness is a day at, at well, a day riding your mountain bike <laughs> for me. But happiness is a day at Disneyland or a perfect sunny day or whatever it happens to be. That's happiness. You know, most people can be happy when all the circumstances are, are great. But even when the circumstances are not great, you can experience joy. And in the presence of God is fullness of joy. And so being in the presence of God is where things can dramatically change in our lives. And we enter that through thanksgiving. All right, then uh, Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace, him being God, of course, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So a huge part of this access to the Lord is trusting in him and then setting our minds on him. Again, battling the distractions of this world. I like this next, next uh, scripture. Hang on one second. This is awesome. It's what Jesus drinks in heaven. Sorry. I didn't pray at the beginning to ask God not to, to help me not be silly and stupid and get distracted. Lord, help me finish up the rest of this scripture, this sermon <laughs> without being silly and stupid. All right, where am I? Access to the Lord, sorry. Uh, <coughs> meditate in your heart upon your bed. All right, why would he be referring to us being in our bed? Are we, it's like not meditate in your heart when you're like sitting at your desk, not meditate at your heart. Because what do we do when things aren't the way that we want them to be at nighttime? Many people, including myself, we're not sleeping, we're worrying. We're thrashing back and forth worried about stuff. So God is directly addressing this, I believe, that you meditate in your, when you're tossing and turning on your bed, meditate in your heart and be still. Why? Why be still? Because God wants to speak. God wants to touch. God wants to pull you into his presence. And that happens when you meditate in your heart upon your bed. And of course, also, you know, um, I teach deep breathing all the time to all of my, all of my clients. You know, I just tell them, this has to be a mandatory, mandatory part of what you do in your life, especially people with ADHD. We need to be Olympic champion deep breathers because this part of our brain, which you're going to see here in a moment, is the most important part of our brain. Um, but, but laying in bed is, is, the, is the easiest way to be able to deep breathe correctly because you can deep breathe incorrectly okay and i'll give you a little demonstration of that here in a moment i know just keep you on the edge of your seat waiting for that all right then the next one says cease striving and know that i am god cease striving i like that <coughs> and the in other words this is what it says in the new american standard bible it says let go relax i got you what God's saying. I got you. Let go. Relax. You know, the Dallas Willard book we're reading is about the 23rd Psalm, where it's not just a nice thing to say at funerals and things like that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, 
all of all of that you know it's real it's supposed to be true it's supposed to be our everyday experience be still and know that i am god and knowing who god is you know that he is good and that he is love and that he cares for us you want to be still and hear what the lord has to say to us even in you know the littlest moments to be still and hear what he has to say all right let's go to the next slide all right i love this uh i love this story of elijah elijah just done some incredible miracle where he he called down fire and there's 450 uh uh, prophets from Baal and stuff, and there was this big battle and stuff. And then Jezebel, the queen, heard about it and said, send this message to Elijah. Elijah, I'm after you. You're in big trouble. So even after this unbelievable miracle where, where the fire came down from heaven and killed all these uh, prophets of Baal, Elijah's terrified by this queen, and he ran off into... Uh, this cave, and then God uh, sent an angel, and the angel talked to him, and then it's, and then here's what what happens is. Then he said, "Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord." And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. Can you imagine? Take a minute and imagine. <laughs> that would be terrifying. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Okay, an earthquake. That, first the wind that <laughs> knocks the mountains down and it's falling down. And then there's an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Now, you know, our lives can be like that, you know where things are rocking, where things are busy, where things are stressful, where things, you know, Murphy's Law was created for verses like this, you know, which is, you know, everything that can go wrong does go wrong at the worst possible time, you know. That's, that's the mindset, and, and oftentimes that can be what we experience sometimes, you know. <coughs> Excuse me. That's certainly what was happening to Elijah at that moment. But then, after all that, craziness happened and stuff a still small voice that spoke to him and calmed him in the midst of all of this horrible storm that's the 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 pattern we're living in this noisy crazy world and we got to slow down to hear the still small voice of god god's always speaking to us quietly lovely encouragingly and we have to give the effort to stop and hear him all right and then um this is i believe it is from beatrix potter this last little thing here um who if you can't trust the the woman who writes peter rabbit who can you trust i mean right come on but make time for quiet moments as god whispers and the whole world is loud. We have that little sign in my bathroom. And um, occasionally in my busyness, I look at it. 
and I'm reminded, make time for quiet moment as God whispers and the world is loud. You know, a lot of times like, God, where are you? God, where are you? And it's just because the world is so loud and he never took the time to be quiet and listen for his voice. He would say, That's how it is. But then we have this body that li we live in that's not only our sin nature, but also just the physical limitations of our body. So let's talk about that for a moment. Let's go to the next slide. Awesome. I love this part of, of who God created us to be. So the prefrontal cortex, the, the part on the left, that's the part right behind our brain. That's the last part of our, our, our brain that matures. It doesn't get mature until you're 25 years old. So it's continuing to develop all that time. The most important parts of human existence happens in the prefrontal cortex. It is the hardwire with what hardware that God speaks to us through, okay? is through that prefrontal cortex. And a lot of things happen there, executive functioning and all of that kind of stuff, but all those kinds of things, one through nine, and that's not even close to being an exhaustive list, that happens in the prefrontal cortex. The limbic brain on the, on, what is that, on your right-hand side, um, is that the response to fight or flight and emotions and so forth go on there. It's the emotion generation. is the place that generates the emotions. It's not the place that emotions are regulated. That happens in the prefrontal cortex, okay? And, um, and so one of the things that I want to point out here is that the prefrontal cortex, um, when, and I've, I've said this before, so those that, that have heard this many times, I, I apologize, but, but when we are in fight or flight, which is if we're angry or if we're worried, if we're angry or we're anxious, if we're angry or if we're um, in, in a place where we're super self-conscious, you know, um, the prefrontal cortex is offline. It's not getting any blood flow to that part of our brain. Because when you're in fight or flight, we need blood to go to our legs, to go to our arms, to go to our chest, because that's how we fight, that's how we run, okay, is, is that. And so in fight or flight, that's the way God made us, to life-threatening situations, we get out of it by running, we get out of it by fighting. But we don't get out of it with deeply philosophizing, connecting deep, that, so there's no blood flow going to that part of our brain when fight or flight is happening, okay? Unfortunately, most of our fight or flight moments are not life-threatening situations, like this situation last night with the plug-in of the white noise, apparently. I didn't go into fight or flight at that moment. I was just slightly annoyed. <laughs> Forgive me. Anyway, when we, but when we are anxious or when we are really, we are angry, we're in that fight or flight moment, right in the moment when we need to have a really nice response to somebody, that requires us to be, have empathy, as it talks about there, requires us to have insight, to be able to say something that is helpful and collaborative, right at that moment, that part of our brain is completely offline. That part of our brain is checked out. And so we say mean things, we say stupid things, we say regretful things, right in those moments, okay? And the same thing happens, not, not the fight or flight part of it, but if we, 
the, the busyness of our life and the cares of this world, it prevents us from being able to tap into the power of the prefrontal cortex. And so that prevents us from having the number eight on there, which is attuned communication. Attuned communication is when you know that you have been heard and you know you are hearing what they're trying to communicate, which is an amazing experience, you know, because even with people that you really, really love and you're really, really trying to communicate, it takes a while to get to the place where like, I know what I'm saying out of my mouth, but I don't know that you're hearing what I'm saying that's coming out of my mouth. So how do I get that? And it's not because, it's not necessarily because they're stupid or stubborn or whatever else, is because you might not be saying it very clearly, and so you got to work and work and work. So what you're saying is this? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. I mean, that is, a, when you really get there and go, oh, so that's what you're saying. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I'm think, you know, that's attuned communication. Well, the most important attuned communication is with the Lord. You've got to be able to hear what he's saying. And attuned communication is that still sm plugging into the quietness of that still small voice and hearing what God is trying to say. Now, we, we prepare ourselves to be able to identify the voice of the Lord by, by studying scripture, of course, because then you understand God's nature. You understand God's wisdom. You understand God's style. If there's something mean, that's not God talking to you because he doesn't say things. He was only mean to self-righteous people that, that were calling some, themselves representatives of God. That's the only people that, that Jesus was mean to. Everybody else, he was loving and kind and all those kinds of things. Anyway, so, so attuned communication is what we're going for. We have access. I talked about all those things. But now, now the, the deep breathing part, okay? So this... Not deep breathing. Or I should say not diaphragmatic breathing because there's a there's a there's a uh, there's a whole series of nerves that are connected directly it's called the vagus nerve that is connected to our diaphragm and our diaphragm is that that muscle that kind of helps us to be able to increase the amount of oxygen that we can take in and it kind of pushes down our guts and it allows our lungs to inflate a lot easier for the purpose to be able to really get lots of deep breaths why is it? And the only time that we use that diaphragm unconsciously without thinking about it is when we're totally relaxed, okay? So if we're not totally relaxed, we're probably not using our diaphragm, and if we're not using our diaphragm, we're not saturating the prefrontal cortex with oxygen, which is what it needs to be able to function. So learning, you, you need to learn how to deep breathe, and that means you're breathing from down here. And I know I've said this before, and I say it again. So um, this is one time that you want your belly to stick out, okay? So it's like, I know my belly's huge, but it really is bigger than I would like it to be. 
Yes, I did. So you breathe in for like five, six, seven, eight seconds, and then you breathe out. And you feel your stomach rising and collapsing. Try it right now. Everybody try it right now. Are you trying it? You don't look like you're trying it. Abigail, are you trying it? Students, you want to do this before you take any test. Easy, and, and I, I had a lady that was in an intensive uh, outpatient program that I was the therapist for, and she couldn't figure out how to do deep breathing until the 15th day of the, of the program. <laughs> On the 15th day, she finally got it, and she breathed, and she literally relaxed for the first time in 15 days. And she was there 9 to 4 every day for 14 days before that happened. So I know I'm saying this like it's, you know, come on, I, I can get this. But some people don't, so that's why I'm, I'm doing this. But it's super important. Blake, are you getting this? You are. I'm telling you, this is probably not going to connect with God the way God would like you to if you don't learn how to deep breathe like I'm telling you. And I know that probably sounds stupid, but I'm not kidding you. I'm telling you with all seriousness, if you don't learn to deep, God made these machines to act a particular way. And this is how you connect. This is, that's why he said, meditate in your heart when you lay on your bed. Because that's the easiest way to deep breathe is laying on your bed. Meditate in your heart and deep breathe. All right, so now you know a little bit about deep breathing, and now let's go to the next slide. The pause that refreshes, that's an old Coca-Cola slogan, but it works better for this. I, Coca-Cola, with the caffeine and bubbly, where, where's the refreshing buzz there? You know, it's like, anyway, so let's take a moment and enjoy a thought about God's love for us, and in particular... You. I want you to think about you and your needs because this is attuned to communication that I talked about in the last slide. It's not just your communication with other people and it's not just your communication with God, but it's also your communication with yourself. Your, your body, your soul, it has needs. God made us needy. We need each other. We need to take care of our, our own self. And sometimes we miss, you know, we soldier on in valiantly and neglect our needs, and God doesn't want that. And usually it, in, it ends up with some consequence anyway, but God doesn't want that. He wants us to take care of our needs. So attuned communication includes doing a little personal inventory of what's going on with me. Now, I want you to imagine God speaking to you because he is He's speaking to you. I want you to take the time to think about what need do I have that God would like to address in you personally right now. If God was in the flesh sitting right in front of you, 
what would he say to address your need? And, it, and if it's, as a, if it's um, well, hang on, let me not get ahead of myself. Um, I wrote that second point there where it's like, I hope you had moments as a child where your parent or caregiver loved you, made you feel safe, made you feel accepted, made you feel special, even if it was just for a moment. I was thinking about that myself. You know, I remember when I was six or seven years old and I had a scary dream and I went and I for a long time didn't want, I just wanted to be brave, but I couldn't. And finally I got out of bed and I went into my mom's mom and dad's room and, you know, I, I just, and my mom just opened up the blanket and said, come here, come here. And I just came in and spooned, you know, and just felt so, so comforted and so warm and so loved and so forth, you know. I hope you had some kind of moments. There's other moments, of course. But I hope you had some kind of moments like that where you were touched and had that tenderness and so forth. So we're going to breathe, but I want you I want you to think about, and I hope you're comfortable enough to be able to close your eyes. Nothing weird is going to go on. Okay. But I just want you to breathe a little bit, and I want you to imagine if God were sitting here, what would he say to you? But he would say to it in you by his spirit. Okay. Knowing him, he loves. So like I said here, um, just listen to that still small voice that would want to speak to you right here in this sanctuary. If it's negative, it's not the Lord. If it's mean, it's not the Lord. If it's judgmental, it's not the Lord. It's the goodness of God that brings about change. So let's just breathe for a, a minute or two. And let God speak to us. And I hope you can transcend the awkwardness of all these other people sitting around you. <coughs> so just do this for another minute. Team would just come forward and as the worship team comes up, 
I'd like to pray for you. Lord, we thank you for your, your great love for all of us, for each one of us. You love us as individuals. You love us our families. You love us as this church. And we desire to be heard. And we're so thankful to you for changing our lives. And we're so thankful for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, I pray for anybody that is not able to hear your love or not able to experience your presence and needs more. I pray for them, Lord, that their needs would be met. I pray that you help them to be able to reach out for the help that they need to be able to know you better and to experience your love. And so if, uh, if there's people here that um, you just didn't feel or sense God's presence, I wish we had time to go. Could, could well, let me just take a minute. It's only 1030. Um, how many really did hear the Lord speak to them something lovely? Can you just kind of go? fingers and okay and um, but in if there's people here that you're just like I really need something more um, than what just happened you know I'll be up here to pray I know there'll be other people up here to pray so if you would like to come and talk that would be great Lord, I pray that you continue to bless every person in this room, strengthen them, encourage them, lift them. In Jesus' name, amen. Actually, why don't you stay seated for this song? We're going to do a song called Thirsty. And then we're going to go 